Well, welcome to another Time Out with Dentons. This is the fourth in our series now about COVID leasing issues that impact the Australian leasing market. And tonight I'm joined by Natasha Murgatroyd, my partner from Western Australia. My name's Matthew Rollison, and we're going to have a bit of a chat today about the impact of the National Code in Western Australia and some of the new legislation that's been passed and new regulations that have been passed in Western Australia to deal with uh, retail and commercial leases and how the Western Australian government has responded to the COVID-19 pandemic in that sense. I mean, one of the things that we've also been examining in this series is what is the response of landlords to the new legislation in each of the jurisdictions that we've already examined. And we'll touch on that during the course of our chat on Sean, Natasha. But Western Australia has now implemented its version of the National Code of Conduct. The key features that you're, you'd like to call out in relation to the Code of Conduct as it applies in WA, what are they? Thanks, Matt. So, as I said, WA has now implemented its version of the Code. It was a two-step process in Western Australia. First, we enacted the Act back in April, um, which gave WA certain provisions to enact the Code, but also put in place immediately provisions to do with prohibitions against taking certain actions. We've now also now had our code enacted, so together we've now got our, all our legislation to now deal with the leasing COVID response. So together what they do, they apply to eligible tenants, and to be an eligible tenant, you need to be one, a tenant with a small commercial lease. So that means they either have a retail shop lease under our Commercial Tenancy Retail Shop Agreements Act, or they have a lease where the tenant owns or operates a small business, um, so that's a business that's wholly owned or operated by the tenant, either as an individual or in partnership um, or by a private company, and they have a relatively small share of the market in which they compete, and they're not a subsidiary of a much larger corporation. And a small commercial lease can also be a lease to an incorporated association. So that's the first part of why a tenant would be eligible. And so that was brought in back in April and and then when we got our code in, it brought in a second requirement for eligibility. And that links us back to the National Code of Conduct announced by the federal government, which has requirements for the tenants to need to be a small to medium enterprise with a turnover of under 50 million and the tenants to be eligible for JobKeeper. In WA, it's eligible. They do not need to be actually obtaining JobKeeper. The second part is when does our code and our legislation apply? So they were adopted after the emergency period was announced. We actually have retrospective code which actually commences from 30 March 2020 and will end on the 29th of September 2020. So what we have is a retrospective code and legislation in place. The next important part is the application process for those eligible tenants. So what happens here is the tenants need to be the ones making the application to the landlord for rent relief. So the tenants make a written application to the landlord and it needs to be supported by sufficient and accurate information. Our code enshines an obligation for the parties to act in good faith, to be transparent and provide assistance to each other. So the tenant in that needs to be able to provide the information to the landlord so the landlord can assess as this tenant, is this tenant one, eligible, and two, what loss is this tenant actually suffering? The landlords can't use this as an opportunity to ask for what, any information pertaining to tenants' gross sales that they want. It needs to be limited just to see what the percentage reduction in turnover is. So it's quite reasonable 
to ask and look at the BAS statement or a statement from the accountant saying this is the percentage of um, reduction in turnover, but not to drill down to details in where that turnover is reduced and actually get further details on that. So once the tenants have made their application to the landlord, the landlord then has 14 days to respond. The landlord then responds, then that starts the negotiation process. In the landlord's response, what they need to do is offer at least 50% of the rent relief to be waived. Mm -hmm. So if the tenant has suffered a 30% decline in its turnover, then what that means is the rent relief will be equivalent to 30% of the rent. 15% of that, as a minimum, needs to be waived, with the other 15% to be deferred. Interestingly, in WA, with taking position, if landlords can offer more, then they should do so. So there's not a lot of guidance as to how to calculate really, you know, can a landlord offer more. And, and then one of the things that we then find ourselves in, Natasha, is how do we document the agreement that's reached and it's, once it's been negotiated? There doesn't seem to be any hard and fast rule as to how it's documented, but what have you seen in the market to this point? At the moment, we're seeing the parties doing very short variations to lease, particularly where they're documenting deferrals with extensions of lease, or documenting it by way of letter signed by the tenant. So what we really are seeing is depending on what rent relief the parties have ultimately agreed as to how they're documenting it. And because our code is quite recent, um, we're seeing that more agreements with more informally documented, not by way of deed, but way of a risk disposition agreement by letters prior to the code coming into place. And, and how far forward are you seeing the look forward from the landlord in response to the um, application that's been made by the tenant? Or are you seeing that they're trying to bite it off in bite-sized chunks and try and look backwards? on a more frequent basis to try and see whether they've got the deal right. Exactly, as you said, the second. They're looking to see, have we got this right? Not to go for a full, here's six months, um, let's see how things are going. And of course, some landlords have actually been a little slower to adapt to offering the rent relief and have waited for the code to come in so that they know what obligations they have and what exactly what they needed to offer. And I think in part, though, what they were trying to do is make sure that they had the resources, particularly if it's a large landlord with a large leasing portfolio, had the resources to be able to assess all of these applications that might ultimately be made of them. And that was a bit of a hard task, I think. Exactly. Very challenging for landlords to try and make an assessment um, back in April and even early May as to what losses the tenants would have over a number of months, particularly as you know, WA has reopened a fair bit earlier than the rest of the country. Um, we're a little bit ahead of the curve as far as the restrictions easing over here and then how that will play out to tenants' reductions of trade. Will they continue having the same level of turnover reduction or will it start to improve? So that's something that landlords are conscious of over here is to not have a situation where they've agreed until the end of the code, but rather looking at it in those bite-sized pieces. You just mentioned a moment ago that some landlords are a bit slow to act, and but some landlords actually moved quite quickly. A moment ago, you also mentioned that uh, the Western Australian legislation and the impact of the regulations in the code actually have a retrospective look back. What happens if you had entered into an agreement that fell in that retrospective period and you thought you'd actually reached an agreement with your tenant? 
Does a tenant in WA under the regulations have the capacity or the code to have the capacity to revisit that agreement? Yes, tenants over here in WA do have the ability to revisit their existing agreements if they think they can get a better deal under the current code. So what they do would be the same as if they hadn't negotiated an agreement, they would make their request, let's start that time, they'd provide the information, start the time frame, land with them there to respond. And they also then have the ability at any other further time down the track if they think that their, if their situation has changed to revisit the existing agreement or the revised agreement so they can, you know, in another month revisit it again if their situation has changed and they get better relief now. That sort of, again, makes it a bit hard for landlords and it's not the same, not dissimilar from the Eastern Seaboard regulations that have come in, but it makes it hard for landlords if they're continually having to think about or respond to tenant requests that where they think they've reached an agreement with that tenant should that tenant's circumstance change. But from a tenant's point of view, you can see how depending if there is a deterioration in their trading activity, how they may want to reopen that agreement if it's longer than a couple of months and it goes for that full six-month period. That's probably quite an even-handed approach in one sense, but it's also a difficult one to manage in another. Yes, certainly. You know, it is no doubt going to be a headache for the landlords, you know, who have rent relief agreements prior to when the code came in. And also landlords that agree after the code came in, agreeing their rent relief and then tenants, try, you know, looking to revisit but then we have to, as you said, we need to balance it against if tenants' um, turnover is reduced further and they need further assistance. And if the landlords are in that position to be able to offer that further assistance to you know, balance and, get, and assist those tenants through this COVID pandemic. And presumably uh, the Western Australian Code regulations actually are similar to the Eastern Seaboard in the sense that they don't entirely restrict a landlord's right to deal in a lease as to termination. Uh, there are certain prescribed events which you can't act upon, but also presumably there are some termination events that you can still use or defaults that you can still use as termination events outside prescribed events which can't be used. So perhaps you can give us a little bit of colour about when and when not a landlord might be able to terminate a lease under your legislative requirements. Sure. And look, one of the gaps that we had in our code is, unlike what was announced in the Federal Government's National Code, there's no requirement in ours for tenants to honour their leases. And it seems to be a, a massive gap in what we're saying when we're telling tenants they must act in good faith in relation to rent relief, but then not posing that obligation that came out in the leasing principles to remain committed to the terms of their lease. We, in our legislation, we have certain prohibitions against for the landlords to terminate from uh, 30 March 2020 to 29 September 2020 if the tenant fails to pay rent or fails to open the trade. And that's not limited to tenants that are small community enterprises that are under 50 mil and eligible for JobKeeper. That is for any small commercial lease. So it actually goes a fair bit further than what the National Code had really intended. So if you're a larger organisation with a retail shop lease, and you ceased paying your rent, the landlord is prevented from terminating under our legislation. So what the landlord can do is go to the tribunal and make an application for a financial hardship dispute. And what that is, is they're making an application saying that the tenant has failed to pay its rent, we're not offering them any rent relief, and they're not in financial hardship. And then the tribunal will make a decision as to whether the landlord is entitled to be able to terminate the lease. 
One of the things that's a little bit different from um, some of the other states in Australia is that um, the Western Australian government introduced two bills, I think, in April. One that dealt with retail and commercial leases during the COVID pandemic, but the first bill was passed and now there's the Commercial Tenancies COVID Response Act. What was the other bill and what was its status? Because it's a bit unique, I think, in an Australian context. Yes, we did introduce two bills. So, as you said, yes, one is now the Commercial Tenancies COVID-19 Early Response Act. And the other bill was Commercial Tenancies COVID-19 Early Terminations Bill. And under that bill, the tenant would have the ability if they're suffering severe financial hardship to give a landlord a notice to terminate or break its lease without any financial penalty. The landlord would have the opportunity to dispute the termination and apply to the tribunal for a determination whether the lease should be terminated. Now, that bill is still sitting there. It was introduced in April, and the WA government announced during the second reading that it has no intention to move beyond the second reading and it will remain uh, on the notice paper unless there is widespread failure of landlords within the WA industry to negotiate in good faith with tenants for rent relief. So our WA government, they were very clear, this is their hammer to the landlords. Negotiate in good faith, agree rent relief, or we'll progress this bill and give tenants the right to terminate. Our Act doesn't give the tenants the right to terminate, but this bill, if it went through, would. So the carrot and the stick, um, that's something that we don't have in other states uh, of Australia, but it's, it's a very interesting approach. And you can understand what the logic is, but I'm sure there would be a number of uh, concerned landlords uh, as to whether or not that legislation ultimately is enacted um, and comes with a set of regulations that enables a tenant to turn them in, certain, in those circumstances you describe. If you've got a landlord who is trying to negotiate a deal in WA, and, and just for some clarity here, and the landlord and the tenant are unable to agree, just remind me of the process again which you need to go through to try and get to that point of agreement. Yes, so if the parties can't agree, that's called a code of conduct dispute. So what would ordinarily happen is they would be a small business commissioner and for mediation or in certain circumstances they could go directly to the tribunal and have the matter determined as to what level of rent relief the tenant is entitled to and the tribunal has a wide dispute discretion in the orders it makes. So it could agree the level of rent to be waived could be above 50% of the relief. It could quarters in relation to the length of time for the payment of the deferred rent and potentially as to how long the lease might need to be extended for. So the tribunal has quite wide-ranging powers if parties can't agree through mediation and then end up the tribunal. And a bit of a curly one then, is that a agreement then which is the mediated or determined agreement by the tribunal one which can be revisited by the tenant particularly if their circumstances deteriorate post that agreement being um, sanctioned or, or determined by the tribunal? Potentially the tenants could actually then come back to have another go. Well Natasha thanks very much for sharing those insights with us in relation to the Western Australian uh, legislative regime. And I know that one of the things that you have been very active about in uh, our firm is producing a comparative compendium of each of the state's uh, legislation and how it's going to impact landlords in those states. What's particularly interesting about it is that the Western Australian experience is different from the Victorian experience, is different from the New South Wales experience, is different from the Queensland experience and South Australia for that matter. So what it actually means is that a landlord who's got a portfolio across 
states, or alternatively a tenant who's got a portfolio across states, having to juggle the regimes within which they are able to operate and within which they are able to seek relief. So it's on that note, I'd like to thank you, Natasha, um, for talking with me this evening, and thank you again for spending some more time out with dentists.